Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Cecile Raynor. She's an Alexander Technique teacher and a certified Thai yoga therapist who lives in Brookline, Massachusetts. That's just, just outside of Boston. She's been teaching the Alexander Technique for over 20 years, and she has a long t- time, a long-term interest in yoga and how the Alexander, how Alexander Technique principles can be of help to people who teach or practice yoga. And we're going to talk about some of, some of those ways in which the technique can be useful. Cecile, welcome to the show. Good morning, Robert. Thank you. And it's good talking to you again. We've had a few earlier yeah. interviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you begin by by giving our listeners just a short description of the Alexander Technique? Yes. Um, So it's a mind-body approach to reclaiming effortless postural balance, but it's uh, not just about the body. It it happens by... um, by freeing ourselves from um, harmful habitual pattern of body and mind. Um, and as a result, it affects not just our body, but it affects how we behave and how we react or not in life and all of that. Mm-hmm. And so how, how can those ideas uh, help people who are practicing yoga? Well, um, Yoga lovers, as I call them, <laughs> um, do do yoga because they want to stretch and strengthen and balance and relax, and and some of them also embrace the the bigger dimension of yoga, which is the spiritual dimension. Um, but some of a lot of uh, yoga uh, people end up still with muscle and joints that are complaining, either on the mat or off the mat, and. Part of the reason is because they're into micro-managing, micro-adjusting muscle and joints in search for a sense of balance. But in every pose, they're never sure whether they will find that sweet spot, as they call it, or not. And I believe in, uh, well, first of all, in my experience and in the experience of people I worked with, when you apply um, Alexander thinking to movement um, in, in the, in, while you're doing yoga, you actually um, get the most out of your yoga and you prevent I- injuries because you work with your body instead of controlling it muscularly. And so that helps uh, yoga people to expand their, what they, I would call their growing edge. Uh, and they're, they're very interested in doing that, but sometimes they plateau because they, they, they have, um, there are three oversights that are in their way. And that's what I uh, try to teach them. And, um, and it seems like they, they, it really helps a lot. Um, so, so there are three three categories, as it were, of yeah. ways in which Alexander principles can be helpful. So, yeah, let's start with category one. <laughs> so, the first one, I I call it muscular overdoing, um, and muscular overdoing is not always pure o- oversight, though, because sometimes yoga, yoga lovers engage in overdoing because they think it is um, they see it as 
pushing their limits to be strong. So it does show strength of character and willpower, but the oversight is in overlooking the input of their innate body wisdom. And um, and so what I encourage them to think about is, you know, I say, at, at the service of what part of you do you place your willpower when you don't work with your body wisdom? Um, and I explained to them that our postural mechanism is designed to function so they can move with the appropriate amount of tension for each movement during every activity, including when they practice yoga. And, um, and basically what I try to make them aware of is that if they don't let their postural mechanism work for them, they are putting a lot of unnecessary stress on their body. And while they're working at building up strength and balance, they are also actively building unnecessary muscle tension. So how would you, how would you define unnecessary muscle tension? Yes. Unnecessary muscle tension is the tension that is being used that, uh, um, uh, that they could do that same pose and get the benefit of the pose without that excess tension. And that excess tension um, basically comes from doing too much. I mean, like gentle stretching uh, is good. It nudges the body to let go, but overstretching is not. It's a form of muscular overdoing or excess tension. And basically, um, too much tensing or stretching is placing, um, it interferes with the efficiency of their postural mechanism. So any, th- any amount of tension that are actu- that's actually backfiring on them, um, it, which is the source of their aches and pains and discomfort and difficulty to find their sweet spot, that is what I would call unnecessary tension. So, uh, I mean, the, the Alexander technique, in, of course, Alexander teachers work with people in all sorts of fields yeah. and all sorts of activities, and it mm-hmm. certainly is true that... Um, Many, many people who come for lessons uh, are inadvertently overdoing what yes. they're doing. They, yes. One way of putting it is they really haven't calibrated zero properly. They, they, when they think they're doing nothing, they're doing quite a bit. Exactly. And then, and then exactly. once they start doing stuff, they're doing even more. But I, I guess the question I would have, and I'm not a, a yoga practitioner yeah. myself, is isn't that something that one would expect a yoga teacher to, as it were, take care of? Where they would see you overdoing and help you to stop doing it. What mm-hmm. what what's the flaw in that argument? Okay, good question, Robert. Well, so first of all. Um, you lot in lots of classes there are a lot of people and the teacher is guiding the class and sometimes they see things but they can't really address it or if they address it uh, and I've been in such classes myself I do Baptist uh, yoga which is a form of hot yoga and and I and I hear sometimes the teachers say you know really sir tell when when they see that people are arching their back in in a pose where you're supposed to have a nice elongated spine but people and that will bring us to my point about the skeletal misuse um, people bring from 
the, the way they use themselves outside of the mat, they bring it to the mat. So if outside of the mat, um, being upright means arching their back, mm-hmm. they will do that when they are on the mat. And, mm-hmm. and releasing their tailbone will mean nothing because they think they're already aligned. So that... Um, uh, so the, the, even a teacher that can see things and that will try with words, on occasion they can go around and put their hands a little bit. But they, even the teachers, come from the same culture where it's all about controlling the muscles with, with um, controlling the skeleton with the muscles. So they they'll position the hips, for example, uh, to help somebody um, let go in the lower back. But they're not addressing the whole body. Whereas when when I what I teach them is to how to activate that postural mechanism, how to trigger it to to do its thing, and then they they just need to, for example, learn to release the hip joint socket, and suddenly the the back aligns, the knees release. They just have to listen to all those micro adjustments the body makes for them. And uh, this way, some of the macro management necessary, they may not even know it's needed if they don't let the body do it. No, nobody knows better than the body, neither me nor them nor their yoga teacher. So that's the, the big thing is that instead of learning all those, you know, yoga teachers will come up with, okay, don't bring your knee past your toes when you launch, don't do this, don't do that. They have all those little tricks to try to help their uh, students with not getting injured. But with what I'm teaching, the student doesn't even need the teacher to look out for them because they have a key to plug into their postural uh, reflexes and, 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 and let their postural mechanism do its thing. And their body will tell them, okay, no, you can't go past this. They just have to listen. And suddenly they find themselves in that balanced place with everything working together. So they have to learn how to, as it were, intervene efficiently yes. in a way that... that um, affects their entire their entire body. That's right. And uh, I mean, that I don't. Again, I don't know a lot about yoga specifically, mm-hmm. but in general, um, most people really don't have a, a lot of spare memory slots to bring to bear in terms of changing themselves. And mm-hmm. and so, if they're gonna, if you're gonna intervene to make a change you better intervene wisely and 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 adding two or three or four instructions exactly. at the same time it, it just doesn't work people it doesn't people work. cannot you, Process. you bump yeah you bump up against the limit which is i think generally regarded as 7 plus or minus 2 and uh ideas that you can have at one time or things mm-hmm. that you can pay attention to at one time so you end up um kind of frustrated trying to do all of these things so you're saying a kind of preliminary overall intervention is going to be a lot better than trying to fix this that and the other thing all at the same time right yes that's the basic message yeah i mean in a way that 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 you could say it that way and um 
what happens is that sometimes, you know, they, they're still young and they, they, they still feel okay when they do yoga. And in fact, they're stretching some of the tension they create on their ev everyday life. But then they go into that cycle, you know, they, they create tension during the, the day or the week and then they go to yoga and they stretch the tension. But they're not really addressing the, the problem. In fact, um, although yoga has been known for centuries to be a beneficial activity and the number of people drawn to yoga keeps increasing actually yet in this time and age yoga related injuries reported by doctors and emergency room records have also increased over the years and <clears throat> in fact a couple articles were published in the New York Times a few years ago bringing these yoga injuries to the attention of the public and one was called how can yoga wreck your body yes and I remember there, yeah. there was a lot of controversy yeah, when, that, when those women's, came out. Yeah. yeah and there was another one women's flexibility is, right. is a liability in yoga right. and Many yoga studios made a point to discuss in class the facts presented in these articles right, and yeah. clarify what they considered to be some inaccuracies. But the important matter is that it, it opened up a dialogue about the elephant in the room, yoga mm -hmm. and injuries. Mm -hmm. you know. And since then, a wave of awareness made some teachers and students practice more carefully and a series of gentle yoga forms became popular as a way to pre prevent injuries. Mm -hmm. Still, the yoga injury debate is not over because the core problem was not fully addressed. And mm -hmm. I keep running into people all the time who do yoga, but they have knee pains. They have lots of problems. So first of all, taking the challenge out of yoga is not necessarily a long-term solution for yoga lovers because they enjoy challenging themselves with yoga. So the fact is that choosing to reduce the challenge dimension of yoga with all those gentle yoga forms, um, choosing that method to prevent injuries is just not the answer for everyone. And um, because some of the overdoing on the yoga mat is caused by unconscious skeletal misuse carried over from how people handle their body off the mat. And that is the dimension that the Alexander Technique can bring to the yoga community. And often when they have problems, they think they need to find, uh, to learn more. They have to learn more yoga, more yoga, but it's not necessarily the case. And when I work with them, um, uh, they find, I, I go from uh, teaching what I'm trying to teach through everyday movement, like getting in and out of a chair or, or walking or things like that. Mm -hmm. And then I, we do yoga poses and what they, they start becoming able to, they, to, to become aware of what they're doing while they do a pose that's interfering with the pose. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's in what way uh, Alexander can help uh, yoga people. And the fact is, once um, you know, once people are injured, sometimes they cannot even do gentle yoga. So mm -hmm. it's really important for them to. It's sad they cannot do what they love so dearly because of how they use themselves on and off the yoga mat before getting injured. Right. So that's why they, that brings me to my second point: the skeletal misuse. It needs to be addressed. Skeletal misuse comes from, you know, the habitual patterns of movement uh, in everyday life, mm -hmm. and uh, that is part of my teaching to yoga people. But I, I, at first, I keep it to a minimum, just to 
start creating that that connection between how they use themselves outside of the mat and what's happening on the yoga mat. Um, and, and, and I make them aware that at some point they mistake what is habitual for what is natural. And then this corrupted postural sense becomes the basis for all their movement on and off the yoga mat. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I mean, I, 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 I would say I agree with that. I don't have, as I said, I don't have experience with yoga, mm-hmm. but that certainly is the general pattern that Alexander teachers run into all the time with their students. Yes. That, that um, people don't actually have accurate awareness of what they're That's doing. Right. And, and when something goes wrong, the tendency is always to think in terms of adding some more stuff to fix it, mm-hmm. whereas um, that generally doesn't work. And the Alexander approach is very different, which is, Let's figure out what you're doing that's causing the problem and learn how to stop doing it. Yeah. Which sounds simple and logical mm-hmm. and everyone kind of nods their head in agreement when you tell yeah. them. But in practice, that can be a bit of a, a challenge for people. Yes. And, and you know, what, what I try to make them aware of is that um, the part, one big problem is that people spend time, money, energy to try to build up new healthy habits or and and sometimes it doesn't work or it works up to a certain point and then it doesn't have staying power. Right. And I tell them it's because they skip the most important part, which is to address the foundation. And as far as yoga, it's the foundation of movement and and uh, and free yourself from those harmful habitual patterns of movement before you try to build up something on top of that. And that, I mean, I've been uh, working uh, more specifically uh, privately with a experienced yoga teacher and it's really fascinating to work with her because she's very open and and she herself through her years of practice of yoga she's been searching for a form of yoga that doesn't uh, um, hurt the body of course and and that is sustainable outside of the yoga mat and when I work with her sometimes just with words sometimes just with a touch delicate touch she you could you can see her whole body expand into integrated motion and she has this big smile coming on her face and she she's going to you know and she's like oh wow this is beautiful <laughs> because right. she feels like whatever guidance i give her helps her get where she's been wanting to go all along but she was just going about it the the long way around you know right, uh, right. So we're getting kind of close to the end. I know you okay. have th- you have one more yeah. thing you'd like to mention. Maybe you could just mention it quite quickly and yeah. explain what the third the third yeah. Thing so is. I mean, basically, we've talked. You know, each group is embedded into the other group. So we've talked a bit. So the third one, I call it overriding body wisdom, and basically, it's what I've been talking about that. The, the yoga person override the wisdom of their body when they concentrate on the physical form of a yoga pose um, they want to achieve with blind will. As a result, they may be controlling their skeleton with their muscles rather than listening to how they are meant to work together and allow them to do so. 
Mm-hmm. So that in the process, they overlook the real needs of, the, of their body and its wisdom, which is to move efficiently in an in- integrated way uh, where, I, as far as I'm concerned, physical, mental, and spiritual can merge together. Um, and, and the reason I bring in the spiritual is because, of course, yoga, not everybody who does yoga... Um, uh, is interested in the spiritual, but the the truth of the real meaning of yoga, 90%, if 98% of it has to do with spiritual growth. But um, uh, so when they allow themselves to to work with their body wisdom, they're really uh, enjoying yoga in its bigger uh, dimension. Um, And... um, uh, yes, and so they, they just understand that, you know, pulling here, pushing there, or lifting up in an effort to find the balanced spot, they are really overriding the wisdom of their body. And that brings me to another little um, point I want to make, that the the yoga world uh, will benefit from this work, but uh, they need also to change a little bit their vocabulary, the language, because their language support the misuse. So even somebody who has a bigger awareness, if they start encouraging people on the mat to get their height by saying, lift up the chest, you can only lift up the chest from tight, you know, from the lower back and tightening and pushing up. So the vocabulary has to evolve a little bit. <clears throat> and uh, so it's a big task that I, <laughs> uh, I started by trying to help. And, and I'm not the only one. There are a few other yoga teachers who do that. One of them, Joan Arnold, is actually teaching at Kripalu, which mm-hmm. is in Massachusetts, and it's a mecca for yoga people. Mm-hmm. Um, I know another one, uh, Alice Riccardi, who actually has a Baptist yoga in Maine, Portland, and includes the technique in her teaching. Mm-hmm. And I know there are other people in California and probably other places. So it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's not a nice, but we each have our own way to do it. Um, and for me, I try to teach people to flow with their body wisdom by surrendering to it uh, without collapsing. Uh, I mean, they, we all teach that, um, mm-hmm. but that's the skill we're teaching, how right. to flow um, without collapsing. And, right. um, but I, 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 would, I would add that even if you're living somewhere else and there is an Alexander mm-hmm. teacher nearby, absolutely. They, can, they can almost certainly help you with oh, your absolutely. yoga practice even if they know nothing of yoga. I'm of glad yoga. you added this, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I, I think this, this might be a good place to uh, bring our conversation uh, to a close. Um, m- my guest t- today has been Cecile Raynor, an Alexander Technique teacher t- and Thai yoga th- therapist in Brookline, Massachusetts. And um, if, if anything that we've been talking about uh, uh, intrigues you and you live in the Boston area, we'll put a link to her um, website uh, by the interview. I'll also put an, uh, a link to a website that will enable you to find out more about the Alexander Technique in general. And it includes quite a bit of information about yoga and the Alexander Technique. There are interviews and articles and so on on that site as well. So, Cecile, thank you so much for being on the show today. You're welcome, Robert.